Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. Uh, Today is Saturday, May 1st, 2021, and we have two uh, esteemed panelists who are with us, Keisha L. Jackson, a retired U.S. Air Force uh, veteran and family caregiver, and also Denise M. Brown, founder of the Caregiving Years Training. Uh, Keisha actually um, is uh, a 22-year retired Air Force veteran, after caring for her mother who had stage four inoperable lung cancer, Keisha started learning about caregiver resources to share with other caregivers. Uh, what an honorable thing that she's done. Uh, Denise, Denise also uh, is a family caregiver and founder of the Caregiving Years Training Academy, a program where former family caregivers are trained to launch a business to help current family caregivers. Denise also works with corporations and companies interested in providing educational and supportive programs to help their caregiving employees. So honor, honor, honor to have both of you on. Uh, Why don't we uh, kick us off, uh, Keisha, and give us a little bit of open remarks. We're going to be talking about remaining resilient during caregiving. Hi, Dr. Arnold. Hi, Keisha. (laughs) Good to hear your voice. You know, I'm going to say that. (laughs) Same here. (laughs) Before I turn it over to uh, Denise, who I'm really excited to have a part uh, with us today, Mm -hmm. I wanted to just give an update. When we were on last month, I mentioned that President Biden had the uh, $4 billion caregiver expansion as a part of his infrastructure. And so just a little update, Congress is still, they're drafting the proposed for um, a $2.3 trillion infrastructure bill, which includes $400 billion for um, caregivers for home health care and different things like that. So wow. the, uh, on the Republican side, they're doing sort of a counter, and I know there's some talks going back and forth, but I'll be providing additional updates. But as I said last time, this is really good because it can include um, – help for those caring for people in home, for those dealing with serious illnesses. Mm-hmm. Uh, President Biden was on Wednesday night, and he mentioned a little bit about the 12 weeks of paid FMLA, which is really great. And then another part of this infrastructure bill is going to help the VA hospitals. I was doing a little research and found that for private sector hospitals, the median age of the hospitals is 11 years. Uh, mm-hmm. But for VA hospitals, the median age is 58 years. And so to be able to get uh, funding, to be able to put in state-of-art equipment for our veteran and our veteran hospitals, I think that's going to be a really great thing. So we're keeping our fingers crossed that things will go well and that these uh, things will be passed. Sounds like a new day in America. I'm I'm happy. Yes, yes, yes. I'm excited about it. I'm excited about it. Uh, Before I uh, turn it over to Denise, Denise is phenomenal. I don't, I don't really know how else to describe her, and she probably doesn't even realize she is one of my role models, and she is one of my mentors when it comes to family caregiving. She is in Chicago, and what she is doing for caregivers is absolutely incredible. Denise her long, uh, herself, she has an act campaign 
that she is trying to get a petition signed to get to President Biden as well. So I'm not sure if she's going to mention that. Mm-hmm. I won't steal all of her thunder, but I thought this would be a good topic because with COVID, a lot of us have lost our jobs or people are losing their jobs and trying to care for our caregivers. So to be able to talk about the resilience or she may be able to talk a little bit about what she does in terms of her business, I thought that would be really good for our caregiver audience. So Denise, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. It's an honor to be with you guys today. I'm so excited about our conversation and thrilled to be connected to you guys. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you know, tell us more about what your work is. How how did you get involved in it? Uh, What motivated you to actually think about this caregiving arena? Uh, Because I I, I realized that you started um, back in 1996, you know, where you uh, launched caregiving.com. And so why is this so important to you? I am a writer. And when I graduated from University of Illinois, I moved oh, into mater. working. <laughs> oh, ILL. That's awesome. That's awesome. You know what's interesting? I'll just kind of go off on a tangent for a minute. I really believe that our libraries are a really untapped resource that can help mm-hmm. the family caregivers in our communities. Mm-hmm. And I'm working with the library in Champaign, Illinois, right now to try to start to add some resources for family caregivers in the Champaign area. And I've connected with a U of I professor to start thinking about how can we add support services for the students who might be worrying or caring for a family member and are in college. So I'm really excited about that because I think that could really be instrumental in supporting people, especially students who typically aren't considered to be family caregivers, but we know that they are. They're caring for fa- for parents, grandparents, and they're trying to keep their life on track while they're in college. And with support and understanding, hopefully that can happen for them. Oh, excellent. So that's, mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's one of the projects that I'm working on. So I, after graduating from U of I, <laughs> I started writing for trade magazines way back in the mid-80s. Mm-hmm. And no one read what I wrote, which made me crazy because I have an ego. So I wanted <laughs> to... <laughs> switch gears and find something more meaningful in terms of the work I was doing. So I was going to freelance write, and I knew I needed a part-time job to kind of take the pressure off of trying to bring in, you know, a cash flow. Yes. So I was living out east at the time. I'm in Chicago, but at the time I was living out east, and so I found a part-time job managing a congregate meal site in a very small town in New Jersey. Hmm. And in this at this congregate meal site, Seniors in this community would come for a hot meal, and we delivered meals on wheels. And the adult children of the seniors who would come for lunch would call me and say, did my mom come today, and how did she look to you? And that was my first entree into working with family caregivers, and that was in the summer of 1990. And then I moved into different positions. I managed a respite care program to give family caregivers a break for this rural county in New Jersey. And then I worked in nursing homes. And I was so compelled by the stories I heard from family caregivers. As a writer, there are so many elements of a good story and a caregiving experience. There's drama, there's mystery, there's family dysfunction. It was every story just really captivated me. 
And in hearing these stories, I thought, gosh, we really need to think about how we're supporting individuals during this really significant and challenging time of their life. And that's when I launched a business in 1995 to support family caregivers. I had launched a year later caregiving.com, which I sold last year, and that became a 24-7 hub of support for anyone in a caregiving experience. I had chats three times a day, every day of the year. So regardless of what was going on, you knew that you could take a few minutes every day to go into a chat room and connect with people who understood and supported and listened to what was going on. So that's how I started working with family caregivers. Oh, fantastic. You know, and uh, Denise, you were mentioning, you know, the libraries and, you know, the um, the availability of things for people to read. But you wrote two incredible books, right? The Caregiving Year, Six Stages to a Meaningful Journey, and Take More Comfort, Reflections of Hope for Caregivers. And, you know, it, it, you, when you were speaking just now, I was just, you know, I just started thinking about how COVID-19 and the pandemic has changed the life structure for so many people because you you had automatic caregivers, right? And no one ever thinks that they're going to become a caregiver until it happens. And so there, there needs to be some kind of preparation, maybe even in uh, many of the um, academic institutions, many of the businesses around the country. We have human resources departments and those kinds of things. But your, your, your division and your idea is so... Uh, needed throughout the country, and especially at a time like now? Absolutely. What's interesting is we just do it, right? So something mm-hmm. has happened with a family member. It could be something happened immediately, like there's a stroke or a heart, heart attack or an accident, or it's something that kind of slowly comes along, and we just step in to help. And we don't necessarily think about what we need because we're so focused on what someone else needs. That's the pressing need. So we just keep going until there's probably a few days where we wake up and think, I'm not sure I can keep going. I'm getting kind of overwhelmed by this. And that's where we looked really to our resilience. And when I think about this past year, it's the resilience that's got us through. So everything changed so quickly Hmm. for so many And for family caregivers, that's been their experience already. Something has changed, and so they're adjusting to all these changes, and they're adjusting to systems like the hospital system, the payer system, the family system, the community system, trying to find the right help at the right time for their family member, for themselves. And then that happened in the pandemic where all of a sudden where we thought we would go for help, wasn't the place where we could go for help. So for instance, if there was a hospitalization, for instance, you couldn't be a visitor visitor and advocate on behalf of a family member. You had to figure out a new way to be a family member's voice during their hospitalization. So when we think about how do we support people going through these significant changes, I think you're right. It's thinking about, well, how do we help prepare. And in many ways, the preparation is around conversations. Mm-hmm. How do we start the conversations around quality of life issues, around how do we want to spend the last years of our life? Yes. How do we want to stay independent? What happens if 
there's a concern about whether or not I can continue driving. So let's say in 30 years, my nieces are like, oh, no, Anthony shouldn't be on the road. Well, if we have a conversation today about how I want them to manage that, that could be easier. So I could say to them today, if you're ever concerned about whether or not I should be driving, call my doctor, ask for a referral to an assessment. Don't worry about how I'm going to feel about it because... I might be upset, but the right thing is to keep everyone safe. It's the conversation that really can be empowering for us and within the caregiving experience. Yes, and and they would be doing it out of love and respect for you as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a beautiful way to say it. Yes, (laughs) absolutely, absolutely. And, and, and you, know, a t- you know, something that touches on this also is back in October of 2020, uh, you debuted a Healing Our Way, uh, an online community that uh, provides support for those who are grieving. And one of the things that has happened, we've lost over half a million people in this country uh, to this horrible pandemic. And we lose people all the time, but this is really something that has heightened people's awareness of, you know, pain and suffering and death. And they've gone through without being able to have funerals and, you know, all kinds of things have been implicated by this pandemic uh, as far as what we normally would do. Um, so, so, you know, this site, uh, why was it so important to launch this site? So last May, a colleague and I started support groups for those who are grieving. Mm-hmm. And what was really interesting about members of the support groups is some were grieving what had happened recently and some were grieving for things that had happened and situations and losses that they had experienced years ago. So it struck me that we're all in a process of healing regardless of when the loss happened. And it seemed like our conversations about loss were becoming that much more significant because everybody during the pandemic experienced loss. Whether it was just loss of routine, loss of your ability to go to the gym and work out, or a much more significant and heartbreaking loss, like the loss of a family member. Our conversations around grieving were were something that everybody could talk about. And I just found that interesting that Individuals found really the words to describe their grief now, even though there was a significant loss years ago. Hmm. So I wanted to create a way for anyone who was dealing with a loss to feel like they could connect to healing. So through the community, we have different events to talk about our grief, to actually talk about rituals that we can use that honor our grief, that honor our loss. And in doing so, I actually came up with a process that can help us work through what's hurting. And I think about healing as something that we're going through and that in order to go through it, we need to connect to something like support. And we also have to have a vision of where we want to be. And it could be at peace in love, with forgiveness, in hope. And what's interesting about this process is we can apply it to any loss that we're experiencing. And it it works with secondary losses, too. So we know when there's a significant loss in our life, 
there's other losses that come along. So in the grieving groups, members would talk about loss of a spouse and how heartbreaking that was. And then it was loss of friendships. So couples that they had been friends with all of a sudden didn't spend so much time with them. And then it was loss of how the day felt to them because there were holes in the day because their spouse was gone. So when we think about a big loss, we also have to think about those secondary losses, which are just as painful. And if we have a process that can walk us through, it can make us feel like an uncontrollable situation, which grieving can feel like, can be within our control. And we can think about what can support me when I am grieving the loss of an opportunity to, for instance, bake with my mother. This is an example. My mother is still alive, thank goodness. But if I were grieving the loss of my mother, maybe there was a day where I thought, oh, my gosh, this is the day we used to bake cookies together, and I'm really missing her. So what I could do is say, well, I'm going to take a walk and really connect to her and talk to her. And that's how I'm going to heal through this pain with my walk and then really think about, I want to get to her love. I want to feel her love. And so that's the process that that I can use when I'm missing something. And that can be helpful. That is fantastic. Um, You know, today uh, was actually the anniversary of my brother-in-law's passing. He was an attorney. He was 47 years old. So what I did was I called uh, my nephews and my niece, and I spoke uh, with them individually. And uh, the first thing they said to me was, you know, thank you so much for calling me. And I was like, you know, it was 25 years ago, and I didn't even have a, you know, I knew that that was something that was uh, concerning to them, but I could hear in their voices what they were still going through and uh, what what that meant to them. And, you know, all of them, they're almost like in tears when they said, thank you for calling me. So we have to really be compassionate and understand uh, where, people are sitting right and and Keisha talks about this all the time about the care for the caregiver right and making sure that uh, you also are you know understanding about what where your role is and I know you've trained uh, over 200 individuals from five countries right have enrolled in your training programs and so I I really have to uh, take my hat off to you this uh, what you're doing is phenomenal for humanity and uh, humans so you know, where, where can people go to see your website or, you know, get more information on what you're doing? Yeah, they can go to my website, which is careyearsacademy.com. Okay. And I want to thank you for talking about your brother-in-law. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Because <laughs> those those conversations are so important. We always want to remember who's important to us. And to have those conversations and to know that those conversations are important is is critical. So we're moving on now. Uh, I, you know, all this time, anytime I get on a show where I feel so motivated to keep talking, we run into this time block. <laughs> and uh, I, we have to have you back. And thank you, Keisha, so much for bringing mm-hmm. Denise on the show. And, uh, and we are so happy to have... Um, you know, uh, you know, they, we are globally connected with military families, uh, families and matters, with partner care, caregiver Keisha L. Jackson, and thank you again, Keisha, and thank you so much, Denise and Brown, for all the humanity you are experiencing through your writing skills and through your compassion for other people. 
uh, it needs to be commended. And that's the kind of thing we need in this country more and more. So as we go into this new administration, we need more people like you. Uh, well, we're going to stay with us, stay with us. Uh, we want you to be here, uh, keep your boots on, and uh, keep yourself uh, motivated. We have one more show to go, and we are going to uh, bring that your way very shortly, right after this commercial break. But again, thank you, Keisha and Denise. Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.